0: Father, we thank you so much that you are and that you have given to us Christ, who is our cornerstone. He is our rock. Where we are weak, we can fall upon. And even when we're not weak, he is still the rock of our salvation that never moves. He's never unstable. He never frets nor worries. He's a solid rock of our foundation. And Lord, we thank you tonight that you are in our midst. We thank you for your presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit that's here now, moving, hovering over this flock that you are calling here for such a time as this. And Father, we trust and believe that you are calling more and that you're on the move. And that you have set this moment here in the history of the world for your namesake, for your glory. Each of us have been called. And we've been planned for this hour. We can see the world all around us just losing hope. Here tonight, Father, we have hope because we have Christ who is the cornerstone where the 24 elders and the four living creatures are given worship and praise to day and night. Lord, I thank you for that scene that helps us all to know it doesn't matter what happens in the White House or in the Parliament or in a communist government or whatever it is, but our King and our Lord, who is the cornerstone, sits on the throne and there is no worry. There is no anxiety. There is no up and down. There is no fickleness. And God, tonight, we need that kind of Reality to sit on our hearts. Thank you. Now, Holy Spirit, come touch my tongue, touch my heart, touch my mind. Grant me that power to preach your word by your spirit that your people may hear this. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. May I feel the presence of God. See why Carl was buckling while he was up here, because God's presence is here. Trayvon, you take that back there to Carl the car for me, please. Um, well, anyway, we got a lot to get into. Thank you, Karen. Um, most of you know, and we've already said it, I know Patrick talked about it, and I don't know if Chad did or not, I was in the back, but, you know, Brother Quest, and we talk about that all the time, but, and I wish, I wanted to put the pictures up, but just to give you, if you see the van, maybe next week we'll show you the pictures of the van, and this is why we're having church. This is why we're being the people of God. And I don't just say that just because it's nice to say it is true. And I'm 54. I'm not 54 by osmosis, I'm 54, because God has decreed it. He's ordained it. He's numbered my days, not only my days, your days. And Brother Kress is in a what should have been by all looking at the van, looking at the vehicle to hit him, um, to have his little baby honor in there, his brother and his sister, a truck going about, a vehicle going about 60 miles per hour. Uh, our brother, um, neck fracture here and there, some, you know, just shaking up. Um, we should be doing a eulogy. But God was faithful. He's graceful. It's not what was meant for quite his time. And I prayed with him and I cried with him on the phones. I stood outside UAB because, you know, with the new rules, you can't go in. But when you see the vehicle, I sent it to the elders and all we could say. And this is why we say, Death and life is not in the hands of anyone that's in the hands of God. And you know, when I got the phone call from Karen says pray, and I was walking on the trail in Midfield. I said, Lord, I'm not ready yet, please. I, would, I didn't know anything. I didn't know. She just said pray. I'm like, Craz is in the emergency room. That's all I heard when I was walking. And I told Craz, I said, man, you know, I'm 300 plus pounds. I'm not fit like you young guys, like you and Josh Barnum. And so I started running, you know. <laughs> I said it' gonna be two of us in the hospital in UAP in the emergency room, cause Pastor almost didn't make it. (laughs) But but I was running from you know as a pastor I said I got to get to the hospital. You know I was folks was looking at me I was sweating, but I'm here. So it wasn't my time yet. But so me and Chris had a good laugh about that. I said man I was running for the love. (laughs) I wanted to get down here. So but anyway he's here he's doing good and so. Um, I don't know if he's, he's supposed to get out today, so I'm pr- thinking he should be at home now with his wife and just uh, praising God for his goodness. that God angels was on their job. They were doing their work and our brother is still here with us. But with that, let's stand and read the word of God here tonight. And we're going to be talking about what is God doing at UHCC and here in the city of Fairfair. Here it is. Galatians 1 through 10 verse 2. Then after 14 years. Apostle Paul, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up according to a revelation and presented to them the gospel I preached among the Gentiles. But privately to those recognized as leaders, I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not give up and submit to to these people for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. Now, from those recognized as important, What they once were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised. That's meaning the circumcised or the Jewish people, the uncircumcised is referring to the Gentiles, those who were outside um, the covenant of Israel, the covenant of God. Verse eight, since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to be circumcised was also at work in me for the Gentiles. When James, Cephas, these are all the apostles, and John, those recognized as pillars in the church, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to be the circumcised, they only they asked only that we would remember the poor, which I had made every effort to do. Ephesians three, one through eleven. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. That's not the right scripture. <laughs> Ephesians 3. If, if not, let me read it from the text. I was like, what in the world? That's all right. It happens. Um, Ephesians 3. The manifold wisdom of God. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard having you about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. The mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs and members and members of the same body and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul says, and I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. Verse eight, this grace was given to me the least of all the saints to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed the light for all about the administration of the mystery that was hidden for ages in God who created all things. Verse 10 is my verse. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom or manifold wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavens. Verse 11. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, as we were singing earlier, the cornerstone. Here it is. First slide. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated. Psalms 33, 11. Says that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. His plans, his purpose and the plans of his heart from generation to generation. This means that God's purposes and God's plans are always being worked out in every generation. That he has his servants, his people born at the right time. To carry out those plans and his purposes in that particular generation. You ever ask yourself why it wasn't you wasn't born in the time of the Civil War or the time of Abraham Lincoln or in the time of Moses? What would your life have been? No iPhone, no Android. Some of y'all say, man, I praise the time that God brought me in. That you could get to wear Jordans. Moses didn't have no Jordans. They was walking around. They had on some sandals. Out in the middle of the desert. But God's purpose and his plans are still being worked out in every generation. Earlier this week, I had to do a devotion for Lifeline Children's Services. Most of you know, I've talked about it, that I am on their on their board, um, their international board or whatever they call it, their nation national board. I don't know I'm the first African-American what it is. I think I am, but I'm not for sure. I know I'm something. I don't know what it is, but I'm on that board. And I had to do a devotion this week, um, last week, Monday, um, to Lifeline. And there was a lot of people on Zoom um, celebrating Dr. King's um, birthday and holiday. And so I had this book out here um, called The Crusader Without Violence that's referencing Dr. King that an elderly white man in Grand Rapids, Michigan, that was in his late 80s, gave to me. Uh, he was. I was preaching like I'm doing now, and he got up and left the room and went home. Came back and gave me this book. And you say, "Well, it's just a book, Pastor Hardy," but it's not just a book. I'll just open it up and I put it back in the bag. Sanders told me to do this, but I'm going somewhere with this, so just stay with me. But I showed it to them as well. But this book was autographed by Dr. King, and so, and the guy gave it to me. He says it's worth some money, and it is. And so. For a long time, I just kind of had it laying around and tore up the pages on it. And Sandy kept telling me, Would you do something with the book? And so I've gotten smart, and so I've gotten me a dollar fifty cent Ziploc bag here. <laughs> and so the rest is history. <laughs> and I keep it in that, and so nobody else's hands can get on it but mine. So if you got oil order and stuff on your hand, all that fancy cologne, so I don't want to mess with my pages. So anyway, the book was given to me, he gave it to me, and so. He told me that the book, uh, the reason why he gave it to me, the spirit of the Lord told him it had a lot to do with my life and my calling. I was early in my ministry, but he said this book would always remind me of somewhat of the calling that God had placed on my life. And so as I thought and prayed about about why this man had given me this book. As I reflected on the life of Dr. King and his life. I don't know if many of you know this, but Dr. King, last march that he did that was in Memphis was the march was called the Poor People's Campaign. That was his last march that he did before he was killed. And so that really jumped out at me and really hit me, my heart in a different way. And so as I was doing the devotion and talking, uh, should I say, the Lord really just showed up on the devotion. Um, I told Dion, you know, I don't know. I started crying and and we're on Zoom and I hate doing Zoom. And then it turned into a crybaby Zoom. And it was just Spirit of the Lord was really just talking through the message and the devotion that the Lord had really on my heart. But later on in the week on Tuesday, I was in attendance at Lifeline again as they gave the numbers on how many children here in that state of Alabama, who are currently in the foster care system. And as I heard the overwhelming numbers, as they pleaded with pastors and church leaders to get their people involved with orphan care, I was reminded from the scripture from James one twenty-seven that says that true religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So I was sitting there. I was one of the few only black pastors in the room. There was another one, there was two of us, out of about 50 people, two African-American clergy. As I was sitting there, and the scripture came to my mind as they gave the numbers on the foster care in the state. And to say the least, it was heartbreaking to see um, the amount of children who are in foster care. And I asked them to give me the particular numbers that are addressing African-Americans, and they're working on it. And I said, well, the lady is over, and I was talking to her, I said, well, I said, I know you're looking up the numbers from the state, and you want to be exact. I said, tell me, is it bad or good? She says, Pastor, it's bad. And so my heart was broken all the more. But more than that, I have been reflecting for a while now, this beginning of the year, last year, on why God at this time is granting enormous resources for this building across the street and for Urban Hope Development, which I sit on the board with my wife as being the executive director. And the Lord is bringing resources And I've been in ministry for a while. So I'm reflecting, why are these resources coming? What is God up to? Not only are these resources coming, he's doing all of this while in the midst of an economic slowdown. I want you to think about that. Some of you should be getting another check. 1,400. Some of you probably make too much. You're not getting anything. But for those of us who are poor, we're going to be getting that check coming out. So there's an economic slowdown. But also at the same time, there are ethnic, high ethnic divisions and strife that is happening everywhere across America. But yet God is sending and doing things that I never would have imagined. What is God up to? Urban Hope Community Church, it has this calling upon it, which is to remember the poor. Some of you were here when we first cast, just kinda, I just kinda let the cat out the bag and, you know, because most ch- church people don't want to really be associated with the poor. So when you say that word, like, what does that mean? And what are we talking about? And, and so a few years back, I said, well, here it is. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this is a burden that's on my heart. And so that is true. There is a calling upon this church to remember the poor. By doing the hard work of discipleship, And doing this work through a biblical expression called the manifold wisdom of God, which I will explain later. Both of these um, endeavors come directly out of a genuine, authentic expression and fruit of the gospel. A love for the poor. And the ability to do work and church work. In this short life that we've been given through a multi-ethnic, diverse expression, where many are pulling away, God is drawing people to us. As you can look around the room, we never put it out. We just preach. But God has made it clear this is something he wants to be done at this appointed time here in the history of the world, especially here for Birmingham for his glory. So both of these expressions, love for the poor, and living out a, a unified, across ethnic lines, is a fruit of the gospel. But I want to get into the first part from Galatians. And Carl, you can put Galatians back up. And just to give you the background, am not trying to dig into it too deep, but anyhow, this is just Paul is giving his account when he's in Jerusalem and he's been called to the Gentiles and he's with all the other apostles. Those who saw Jesus, they walked with Jesus like us. We have never seen Jesus eyes. We've never seen his face. So we have to try to imagine what he looks like. They saw him. They walked with him. They ate with him. They were not men that did not see Jesus. They knew Jesus and saw what he did. They saw the miracles and all of the above. Paul says they're gathering in Jerusalem. You read that in Acts chapter 15 of that meeting and they're discussing what they should do with the Gentiles. Should they add to the Gentiles some of the traditions that the Jews had or should the Gentiles just uh, do what they end up telling them, which is to fear God, keep his word and all of the above. And so Paul is kind of giving this account. And so as he's being given the right hand of fellowship to go to the Gentiles, Peter is going to the Jews and they tell Paul. They come to the end of this meeting. These are the apostles. These are not Johnny come lately to Christianity. These are the men who saw him. We talk about him who sits on the throne. They saw that one. They ate with him. They walked with him. They heard him. They heard his words. They saw him weep in the garden. They, they saw him be crucified. And then they saw him with their own eyes come back from the grave with holes in his hands and said, it is I. They saw him. So I want you to get this scene. Man, I can feel God's love already. So this here's here's here are these great men of God. These these men. they're they're laying down scripture for us to read here today. So they're in prayer and fasting, making sure that whatever they say that is not misconstrued. And so they get to their end of talking to Paul and go to verse 10, Carl. So they get to verse 10 and and they're basically saying to Paul, with all the things that they could have said, with all the things that they could have uttered to Paul that come to this, they only asked that he would remember the poor. And those were parting words. We only asked Paul that all you're going to the Gentiles that you don't forget about and make your ministry about those at the top of the food chain. That you don't forget about the orphans and the widows and the little ones and the uneducated ones. That you don't walk past them, Paul. That you don't forget them. That you don't bypass them, Paul. And Paul's response to them is just overwhelming. He says, thank you guys for admonishing me To do that, but Paul says, but that was the very thing um, I made every effort to do here in the CSB, but I like what it says in the ESV. It says that I was very eager to do. The Greek word there, eager, is spudazo. Paul says, I'm enthusiastically overwhelmed to work and to do ministry to the poor. It's at the top of my list. It's not at the bottom of my list. It's at the top. So I have here in my notes, why is Paul so eager? Why is he so enthusiastically this man who writes most of the New Testament books that we read, that we study and and digest and read in the morning for men's Bible study. Why is this a great apostle so eager to go and to do ministry to the poor. Could I add that And and because he's so eager and why are we not as eager as he is or he was? And I think Apostle Paul would say to us and the scripture by the spirit of God would say to us that if we understand the heart of the gospel, this is what I think. I say, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm being very vulnerable, you know, there's some things that have come out about Dr. King, and I think it's where I started crying on, and and I don't like it, be honest with you, King was my hero, I don't like it, I don't like it that he did it, or they said he did it, so I've been a little ashamed of the book, but I think what happened on Monday, is just diving into text, I said, I I see and hear what they say he did, and I don't know because I'm not God, but I know what I did see that he did do, that he gave his life and he came. He had a PhD. He didn't walk around with his nose stuck up in the air, and somehow he made his way down the Selma to poor people like my parents who couldn't know their right hand from their left hand. He tried to help the poorest of the poorest. And while universities and schools offered him all kinds of jobs, and he gave his, his, his noble Priest prize money away, and you, most of you don't know, he died a broke man. He wasn't a multi-millionaire. So I don't know anything else. I know this, what I can see and read, that he was, he was eagerly trying to help the poor among us. I don't know anything. I know that. So I asked myself, I said, what was maybe Dr. King and maybe he was weak here, but he was strong here. And maybe he understood this, that, that there's something about this Christ, this one who sits on the throne and the apostles. They sat with him. They ate with him. And they said, Paul, with all that you doing and all of what you and do, don't forget to remember the poor. And you have to ask the question, why did they bring up that one? Because I think it's easy. It's easy in this Christianity, brothers and sisters. It's easy. We don't even know it. It is so easy in a world that looks for the high ones who sits at the top. It's easy to forget about those that we cannot see. It's easy. so the apostles said, Paul, While you're going, don't forget about the poor. Don't forget about those in the Roman Empire. And Paul says that which I was eager to do. And I think that comes out of when I say this comes out of the gospel. Um. You know, when we hear the word poor, we, we think we think materialistically. Uh, it's, it's, that's some of it, but that's it's different. It's it encompasses more than that. It encompasses just the little things. Just, you know, just, just the little things that, that you may know just because of knowledge base that someone don't know, that someone in power can take advantage of. It's, it's, it's just we were in a class. We were doing an orientation and it was an elderly man there with his son. He says, I just found out what um, what do you say? Um, assets and what? What did he say, Carl? He said, um, he said, I just found out this man was probably in his 40s. He said, I'm ashamed to say, but I just found out what that is. They never told me in school. I never told me about checks and balances. I never knew how to write a check. I never knew, it's just basic stuff. And I think why the apostles, they were acknowledging Paul, they knew something. Because the reality, this is what the gospel, see this is what the God. we're all poor. We're naked and honest. we can't offer nothing to God. See, the story of Quads, as we cried on the phone, it wasn't him. In fact, he was probably in the, in the room, but yet God, thats all of us, we're sinful. We're falling short of his glory. We can offer nothing to him. And because of that, we are poor and naked. We offer nothing to him. And Paul says if we understand the gospel, he who was rich, Bill Gates, billionaire rich, rich in mercy and grace, came down the stairway of heaven and he became poor for you and I so that we could be made rich, and our eyes could be opened. This is why God hates prideful people. How dare you understand who I am and my grace that you can look down on people because they don't have a certain letter behind their name or they didn't pass a certain grade? How dare human beings? And people ask me, and I say, please, Pastor, I heard you in Fairfield as though I'm doing something great. No, you don't understand. This is an honor. If I could go away to the poorest of the world, I would do so. So this is all I can do on this side, on the American side, and I say, God, send me to those who don't know the left from the right hand, those who the world passes by and say, ain't nothing good can come out of that community. God, send me, send I. And I think the that apostles, that's what they knew. That's what they knew. That's what they knew in a world built on backdoor deals, built on human accolades. But we have a gospel and a king, he doesn't look at our accolades. He looks upon those who can offer nothing and Paul knew that gospel and that's why he was eager even though he was a Hebrew of Hebrew spoke many dialects but he he had his gospel right he says thank you Peter, thank you James, thank you John, that is what I'm eager to do I want to do it, no one is forcing me I am eager to do Why the manifold wisdom of God at this time in the history of the church here in America? Why is that so needed now? Um, Why is that? Because the essence of the gospel is under attack. And I mean my essence, it's cutting the heart out. It's under attack as it relates to God being able to bring peace and unity among ethnic people groups who were enemies and seen as enemies in the present, especially the black American and white American narrative here in America. And um, I'm just a kid from Sardis. And um, Sandra can tell you. I got an invite to speak at a conference. And I got it in a text. I started shouting. I was like, man, I don't even, I mean, I'm, so I'm supposed to be in Israel, so I'm hoping I can be in Israel, so I don't have to even think about it. And but and I got the text, and it's like, no, I don't want to do that. And it's just all these PhDs guys and Harry Reader, and I was, they want me to be one of the keynote speakers. And I just like, I don't want to do that. And I started out and said, it's like, oh, what are you talking about? And I showed her who it was and she was like, you know, well, we might not be here, so we have to play it out. But but in the midst of all of this, and I don't know a whole lot, but and one thing along the way, and it's one of the things that man said, and so the king, and we all know what he taught and preached, and I have a dream and I see um, kids from the mountains of Chattanooga and all of that, and and black little kids hanging out together, and and all of that, and and so King is, he was a great orator, and we know that, and and so and the man said, God said, He just put this thing on you, and I didn't quite understand at the time, and and so I'm growing in it, but and so certain things do hit me in, in a way they probably would most, it just kind of go over your head, and so and this is one of them, it just kind of hits me the poorness, and so. Uh, yesterday, a uh, dear pastor friend, a peer of mine um, on a Facebook Live, I'm not going to mention his name. Some of y'all know who he is, Ephesians 2. Uh, he said um, in his Facebook Live that we need PhDs, sociologists, and psychologists to help us to be one because, I guess, um, my, our king is, I don't know if, I don't know if he, he's just not reading he, Revelation 4 and 5 like the way I see it or Revelation 1. I don't know if he understands that supremacy of Jesus and, and his mightiness. And I think that's a little slap in the face. I think that's a little slap in the face to say that Jesus he, he needs some sociologists who have to go to a university to learn how to take me and Chad to make us one. I just I just don't think that's I don't think that's fair to Jesus. And this person has a lot of clout. A lot of church, you know, he's got the name and the letters behind the name and all of that. And I don't, I don't think when I read Ephesians 3, as I just read to you, when we read Ephesians 3 and we see that God's intent at verse 10, that it was through the church that he would display the power of the gospel of his electing grace through the local church, through the church, the world, the theater of God before the world. And that's because of the grace of God in saving people from every tongue and tribe and calling them into the ecclesia called the church. And in that that power of grace, that grace that Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he who was rich became poor, that grace that was lavished upon us, that grace, that grace that saved you. That grace that wiped your sins clean, that grace where you are now righteous and you've been justified because of his finished work at the cross, but not because of your works or my works or any of our works, but because of his work that he did, that he finished, that he completed, and he sat down to the right hand of the Father. That's the work of grace. That's the work of grace that reaches down to the lowest man, the guy that can't read, the guy that can't think, the guy that can't do all of this stuff. But that grace who reaches down to the poor of the poor. It's that grace that Paul says in Ephesians 3. He takes these Jew and Gentile. God knows the history. He knows the history of his own world. He know what happened in the garden. He watched the whole scene unfold. He saw it coming. He didn't intervene. He didn't stop. But he did more. He came to rescue. And it's that grace. That powerful grace. And what God is doing. And what God is doing at Urban Hope. And what God is doing. what he's been wanting to do for a long time. And he's doing it. And he's not doing it like a flash in the pan. He's thoroughly doing it. He's doing it slow. He didn't let the building come in the first year, but he waited and he pressed and he made sure there would be no more else to love. There would just be him and him glorified. It wouldn't be no us. It would be him and his glory and his anointing and his goodness and that he would draw on a Sunday night at 6 p.m. people from all over the city and so he would show in a city where at one time it would be true it was wise, an ethnic divided city. But God says, I want to show. I want to show. And God says he's been working, and I'm saying, God, that's why I read Revelation 4:5 every day. Cuz here's what I'm saying, I hear you, but I'm trying to hear him on that throne. I'm hearing him with them 24 elders who are saying over and over again, King of glory, Worthy are you of the lamb who's on the throne. I can't hear all of the unbelief and all of the doubt. I tell you, brothers and sisters, it's going to get stronger and stronger. But if we keep our eyes on him and we focus on him and we look around, and we say, look at what God is doing. And we don't look to what people are saying out in the world. We look at what Jesus has said in his word, that he would do this and that he would do a manifold wisdom of God before the powers and the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places for his glory. That's what God is up to. That's what God is doing. God is bringing people who said they don't like poor people. And I said, God, I used to believe that. I don't know more because I'm seeing it with my eyes and I'm talking to Him, and I'm asking God, to come. And so with this, we're going to turn into a prayer movement right now. So we're going to pray for five things or four things I got on my list. And then we're going to be out and we're going to go downstairs. First thing we're going to pray for uh, Trayvon is that we're meeting with the young football players. As Noah, he went met with him. We just resumed because of COVID. Thirty, forty 40 guys. I said, Noah, how I many you think have fathers in the home and with him? He said, maybe two. And so I said, God, I've been talking to the principal. A lot of the kids are dropping out. We're doing our Jobs for Life program. We're trying to get them. And I went up there on Friday, and I saw two or three young men. And he said, I'm gonna, I said, I'm going to call got his number. I'm going to call him tomorrow and just try to give him a bunch of the friends. And he asked, they are the hopeless of the hopeless. And I saw him in the hallway. And a couple of the teachers said, I don't know about that one, Pastor. I said, said, Lord, this is where I need you to show up, Jesus. Because I know, I said, God, you can't tell me in the word no more. You're a father to the fathers. I can't carry that. So I'm going to pray to you. We're in a fatherless community. There's a lot of women and young men around us who are growing up in homes where there are no love or no father nowhere. And so, Father, we come before you right now. And you're giving us a building across the street, Lord, that you want to house with people. And you want to house these young men and these young women at Fairfield High School. And Father, yes, not because of their own doors. They've been born in situations, Lord God, where the odds are against them. But God, you are an odd maker. You can change the script. And so, Father, we pray for Fairfield High School, and we pray for this community where there is fatherless, there is abounding. God, we pray that you would send your spirit of fatherhood to this community, God, and that you would send on fire of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for Miles College. Father, we pray for those young men and women who are all messed up in their identity. God, they're broken. Lord, they're fatherless. Lord, Lord, their homes are jacked up. Lord, there's so much pain, God. Lord, we have to hear. And God, we don't have all the resources, God. God, we don't have all the money. God, we don't have all the stuff. But God, one thing we do have tonight, God, God, we can pray and we can call upon you, oh God, who hears our prayers. And Father, we pray tonight that you would send The Holy Spirit this year to Miles College, Lord God, and that you would save those young girls. You would save those young men and God that you would bring them, God, to new life in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for families count for the parents who have lost their children to the state of Alabama because of their homes that are so in disarray. There's so much poverty, there's so much brokenness, there's so much abandonment. Lord, it's beyond what one church or what one person can do. Lord, we need your spirit to come. And so Lord, as you grant this building to us, and as these parents come, Lord God, many of them will be single moms, Lord. And God, they don't know the right from the left. God, they don't know what we know about who you are. Their trust is not there yet. But Lord, you pray tonight, God, that you would raise up us in this room, God, that we would be kind, that we would be sweet, God, that we would have the same heart that Apostle Paul and the apostles had, God, that we would have a heart, God, that would be kind and soft, God, trust those old God, who, who don't just don't know the very basic things, Lord. And God, as we, as we bring them into the building, Lord, maybe even on a Sunday night where we feed them and we teach them biblical curriculum on, on parenting, Lord God. Lord, we pray that in this ministry, God, in the Families Count ministry here at Urban Hope, God, Lord, that you, Lord God, that you would reconcile families, Lord, that you would reconcile fathers to their children, Lord God, and children back to their fathers, Lord God. God, that you would do a work of your spirit that only you can do, Father, and that you would supernaturally, Lord God, do all of these things according to your word. And now, Father, we pray for the spiritual renewal that will sweep over the city of Fairfield and therefore Birmingham and that you would bring gospel racial healing. Father, we pray right now all over the city of Birmingham, Lord, Fairfield. Lord, if this building is going up. People were asking from the city hall all over the city, who's what is in this building? And Lord, you've put it in our hearts that this building would be a place of healing. Lord, it would be a place where you would break down the walls. And old scars, Lord God, that have been done down the years. the wounds, Lord God, that cannot be healed by a pill from a man it cannot be healed by, by anything, it can only be healed God, by the reality of your presence and your gospel setting on the hearts of men and women, so Father we pray in the mighty name of Jesus you know the scars, you know the words, you know the things that were done in the dark, but Lord we pray in Jesus mighty name tonight, Holy Spirit that you would begin to descend upon the city of Fairfield, that you would descend upon urban hope God and all the churches, and that you begin to bring, God, people together under the banner of Jesus Christ, Father, and that your spirit, God, God, will blow for once and for all, God, that you will kill any dissension, Lord God, that is among the people of God. Lord, we pray that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost would fall upon us, Father, and you will bring a mighty outpouring and a revival to the city of Fairfield and Birmingham and therefore this whole country, Father. That you would come, Lord. You would come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. We invite you to come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and set your people on fire. Set us on fire, oh God, with the power of your spirit. And fill us up, Lord. There will be new people in this hour. And this is for your glory. In your honor, we give it to you, Lord. We give this to you, and we thank you for it. In your name, we pray. Amen. 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 Brother Chad, come and give the benediction, please, brother. Please stand to your feet. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Members, reminder that we have a meeting after this. a thread or something. Uh, okay, I can, you can't hardly see that. That's light. That's so good. good eyes, though. <sighs>